everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie, and with me, as always, is... Hey, everybody, what's going on? It is Jason. Hello, we apologize for missing a week. Um, things have been crazier than usual around here, which I feel like I'm saying that all the time. <laughs> but it's the truth. I decided on top of my life, I should also volunteer to help out with a children's musical. So I have been moonlighting as an evil spider and taking up some time with that. <laughs> like that you do. That sounds really funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when I was playing games with Brandon, um, he said, yeah, I was listening to the episode where you guys said you're going to really try to do a good job of trying to have a podcast every week. And then here you go, canceling another one. So <laughs> I don't remember Which saying that. <laughs> we said it as it was like a New Year's resolution or something, I think. Oh, I also said I'd probably like be in more videos and write some blogs, and I've done none of those things. You did say all those things. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. I'm I'm batting a thousand people. There's still time in the year. Uh, it's only March. Speaking of March, this is a big week for us at the Board Game Mechanics. It is our wedding anniversary. We got married on St. Patrick's Day. Uh, this is number. Let me see if I can get this right. Okay. So. We have a password. No, on our email don't tell people that. You're like giving away our password, you dork. No, I'm not. I'm not going to give away the password. Mm-hmm. It has the year in it, but I, it's the wrong year. So I think it was 2006. No, is when we got married. No, 2006 is yeah. So 2007. See, right? you have to edit this out. People are going to start hacking into our stuff. It'll be fine. So we got married in 2007. That's correct. So that's 16 years. That's correct. Look at that math. Math skills. Can you believe I put up with this for 16 years? Wow. What do you mean? Don't act like it's all like cupcakes and rainbows on this end, too. Come on. Oh, well, it's certainly not cupcakes and rainbows on this end. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) It's been a lot of dog crap and, you know, I don't know, rocks sometimes. It's not that bad. There's been some cupcakes and rainbows. Come on. <laughs> there has been some cupcakes and rainbows. <laughs> now we're 16 years together um, and we sort of get to spend it together this year. Yeah, ish. Ish. That's the problem with having a husband who plays in a band, a bar band. They play on St. Patrick's Day, so... St. Patrick's Day is kind of a big deal in a bar. Apparently, yes. Um, and my family happens to be Irish. I have uh, lots of Irish relatives, both in the States and in Ireland. So I love St. Patrick's Day. Um, but I also love being married to Jason. So that's it. Yeah. And if I know anything about St. Patrick, I'm sure he spent lots of days in bars. Oh, my gosh. Drinking green beer. Wh- why? Why did we got to do this? <laughs> He got rid of all the snakes in Ireland. While after drinking some green beer. No, he actually has a phenomenal story. I mean, really. Um, He was like captured by slavers and brought to Ireland. And um, he worked as a slave. I don't I forget how many years and then escaped like someone helped him escape. And he went and became um, a priest or a monk. I don't know if he's a priest or a monk. Good job, Katie. He he became a man of the cloth and then decided that he that he felt like God was calling him back to Ireland um, to bring Christianity to Ireland, the place where he had been a slave for so many years. It's like a, it's really a phenomenal story. Yeah, that is cool. Anyway. Mostly the snakes. Mostly your anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. So we have... A St. Patrick's Day themed uh, episode for you today. So let's not belabor that point anymore before it devolves. And I have one piece of news for today. I wanted to have more. In fact, there were several games. I'm like, ooh, this looks good on Kickstarter. And my informant in the field's like, yeah, here's a couple of games. He's like, game found, backer kit, looking like crap. Here's some Kickstarter. Why? Why do we have to only post videos to explain how games are played? No, thank you. I am so annoyed by that. And maybe it's because I'm old. 
Is that is that why? Like I'm I'm the wrong generation that they're the Kickstarter people are not targeting to me. I don't understand it. I do not want to watch a video. Like if you I like sometimes when they have like the moving like see, I'm so old I don't even know the technology terms where it's like a moving pictures, yes. talkies. <laughs> Shut up. No, I mean, but yes, it's like a moving picture. Like it's like a little loop of action, right? You know what yeah, I, probably a, a GIF. Uh, maybe, but they're like GIF images, yeah. But then there are words over it that explain like what that part is in the game, and then they show it to you in like an animated form, video form. I'm okay with that. Don't just only let me watch videos for multiple reasons. I don't want to watch videos. It takes so long to get through all the crap. Number one, number two, basically about everybody who makes a video gets paid. So I don't know why I'm not able to trust their reviews anyway. And I would just like to see the basic rules and make, you know, a choice for myself about the game instead of watching someone's color commentary of it on a video. No, thank you. So I only have one game to talk about today because I'm angry at the rest of Kickstarter. But this is a good one. I mean, for many, many reasons. And this game is called Reviving Kathmandu. Um, this is from, I think, Lemery... Lemery, Lemery Games. I don't, I don't know how to pronounce their name. Don't ask me. I know it. Uh, they also made like Chili Mafia, and I think there was one of their game recently that they created. Um, but I cannot remember it off the top of my head. Shock, gasp. But Reviving Kathmandu is about building monuments and things in Kathmandu. So you've got like this market with cards out, which are different pieces of different like monuments and statues and things and buildings. And then you bid. And so it's like a, a four square. And so you put little bid tokens on like, I want to bid like two cards on these two cards horizontally or these two cards vertically. And um, you get the cards for which you have the highest bid. But even if you don't win, if you get less than two cards, you still draw cards. Now they're blind. It may not be the ones you wanted, but you still come away from the auction with cards, which I think is cool. And then you use your cards to build. You're building different monuments, building things on your player board, um, and then you score them. And after eight rounds, like you, if you have the most points, you win. Which, again, pretty straightforward. It's auction and set collection kind of thing. Um but it is really cool looking. Oh my gosh. The artwork is super cool and the components are boss. Like seriously. There's a really nice metal first player token that's in the shape of like this really great monument building. Um, they have like cute things like if you join their Kickstarter and you get a friend to join, you get like this uh, a free bonus for you both, which is so cute. I'm like, what the heck? Who does that? I love it. Um, the, the box is, looks like a suitcase, like you're going to Nepal to Kathmandu and it's magnetic, which is super cool. Uh, the, the rule book looks like a passport. Uh, they've got the, you get a neoprene mat play mat for your board. I'm kind of loving those better than boards. Cause I'm always afraid I'm going to fold boards wrong and tear them because I'm a complete klutz. I can roll up a neoprene mat with the best of them, right? So it's, it's and I like the color scheme, got this great metal token. You've got dual layer player boards. Hello, I love them because I am a bosomly blessed person. And when you lean over the table to play on a board and you have just a regular player board in front of you, you are knocking stuff all over the place. Do not give me a player screen. Do not give me a shield. I will knock it down every time. I will scatter all my stuff everywhere. Dual layer play where stuff fits down in there. Yes, please. Thank you. Um, wooden coins, which while well, I like metal, I also like wood. So these thicker wooden coins. I mean, and the artwork is really pretty. Like I, the look of this game is cool. Even if it's just one of your basic like auction build games, I'm down for this. And I even told you the best part. The uh, the couple who are behind uh, this Lemery Games, 
they love to travel. So they actually traveled to Nepal. Um, and there is a really bad earthquake um, in 2015 that hit the Kathmandu Valley and like destroyed. They said it was like half a million structures destroyed. And they went to visit maybe five years after. And they said it's still they're still trying to rebuild and work on it. So they are um, like trying to do things to help. So. Every for every Catman reviving Katmandu game that's sold during the campaign, they're donating a dollar of their own money to this all heart hands and hearts organization um, for the Nepal relief program. So it like helps build schools and stuff, which in the area, which I think is awesome. So it's like taking something that we love, a board game, and then actually using it to make a difference in the world. To actually revive to play reviving Katmandu helps revive Katmandu. That, that's awesome to me. Um, so if you like any of those concepts, like using games to give back, um, set collection, auction games, pretty games, great deluxified editions, check out Reviving Kathmandu. There's five days left in that Kickstarter by the time this episode drops. And get this, the deluxe edition, $35, people. $35. What? The what? Those wooden coins, those door layer boards, that neoprene mat, that metal first player marker, magnetic suitcase game box, all yours. $35 plus shipping and taxes. Amazing. Yeah, I don't know how they're making this thing so cheap. I, I don't get it. It looks great. Maybe the people in Nepal are making it. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. Um, we'll just breeze on past that. Um, yeah, it looks great. It looks like a cool little game. I love the art. Uh, that that little first player marker is slick too. It is. Yeah. It looks great. Yeah. And even sure. if you want, they also have like this uh, little a little expansion, Senior Architects expansion, forty two dollars, just ten dollars more. I mean, it's it's amazing. I don't understand. I it looks great. So check that out. Reviving Kathmandu. And that's all of the ranty things that I have for you in the news section of today's episode. All right. So let's talk about a few games that we got to play. Um, one of them we just played today, which is cool. Uh, and the, we will go ahead and talk about that one. And that game is called Around the World in 80 Days. And this is actually a game that I picked up from Half Price Books. I think it was like five bucks. Um, I know it was a reimplementation of Hair and the Tortoise, which I played with our friend Brandon. Um, and this one has a, a cooler theme. It's about traveling the world in 80 days with in a hot air balloon. Jules Verne, I think, right? Isn't this a book, something, some kind of literary thing? You're ignoring me, so I'm assuming that's right. Yes, okay. it is um, based on a book. <laughs> so in this game, what you're doing is you're trying to be the first player to travel around the world from London and get back to London. And the way you're doing that is you're going to be using money to move spaces, and there uh, and the each the more money you spend, the farther you can move. So one space is one, two spaces is three. It's basically the Fibonacci sequence to move. Um, and then like every each space has different powers that they're going to give you, special abilities that they can do. And you're trying to make it to the end, get rid of all three of these little rumor cards you have, which are like police notices saying that you're a thief or whatever. And then you're trying to get back to London with less than $10. So throughout the journey, you're going to be spending money, you're going to be landing on spaces to get money, and you're trying to manage all of those cards, the money cards in your hand to be able to make it back to London with the proper amount of money in your hand. It's a super simple game to play, but it is actually deeper than it looks. Um, using the, the money to move around is a little bit trickier than it seems at first. Um, so one of the spaces you can only get to by moving backwards, but you also get money by moving backwards. You can't go where someone else is. You can't ever move on to that space that you move on to backwards by going forward. Um, it's pretty easy, but I, I think it's pretty enjoyable. Not like a game that I want to play all the time, but I do like it. So how do you feel about Around the World in 80 Days? Yeah, I... I was ignoring you as usual because I thought he's going to ramble on. I didn't realize you were going to try to actually make a real connection to the theme of this game. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to do something new here, okay? It is a novel, a uh, classic novel by Jules Verne. Anyway, um, 
I like it. Like you kept describing it like, oh, it's a roll and move kind of. And then there's this stuff. And uh, it's like Taurus in the Hair, which I never played, but I thought it sounded stupid. Um, even though I know. This theme is this theme is better for sure. Um, but I, I really liked it. I think, I don't know if I had a good strategy. I don't know if I was doing good, but I still felt like I was in it like all the time, which is good. I think, I think, um, it seemed like at any moment anyone could win, which is great. I like the artwork. I like that idea of, yes, I want to get money. No, I don't want that much money. Well, I need to use that much money. Well, how do I get less money? Like it's, it's that really great tension that I think is really fun. Um, the cards for uh, Phileas Fogg are cool. They add like a nice little fun extra element. It helps mix things up. That kind of betting on what like what rank I'm going to be in if I land on a certain space and hope that I get that so I get more money. But do I want that money? Um, uh, yeah, I found it very enjoyable. You made it sound, I think, more simplistic then I think it really is. I think it's full of a lot of really good decisions um, and definitely worth the $5 that you spend on that for sure. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is a simple game, but the way you're spending your money and moving around does make it deeper than it seems. And I think I thought it was going to be easy enough to play with Rory, but it was a little bit too much for Rory. I think, I think she was so. having trouble with the, the math and all that stuff. Yeah. So yeah, she'll have to wait a, a few years, I think for this one. It's not like we don't have others for her to play. Well, that's true. That is true. <laughs> All right. So that was Around the World in 80 Days. Next, we played the second game from the designer of Splendor. And I don't even, I don't know if he's done anything else, but he's done Splendor and this one. And this game is Majesty for the Realm. And this is a pretty simple game as well. And what Each player is going to have a tableau of some buildings. I'm not sure how many there are. I think six. And each of these buildings have an A side and a B side. They're going to do different things, whichever side you're playing on. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to draft these people out in the middle of the, the table, which are going to have colors that match the buildings that they go in. And when you put them in that building, they're going to trigger the special ability of that building, which could score points for other people in other buildings, for different types of people that you have. Um, if you have meeples, it could give you more points for meeples. Um, and you're just trying to get these cards from the tableau into your buildings to score points. Um, that's basically it. And, and like, uh, it has the sentry mechanism where if you don't want the first card in the column or in the row, you can put a meeple on every card that you pass. And then when somebody takes that card, they're going to get meeple. So meeples are kind of like the currency to spend to get these cards. Some of the cards are double-sided. So when you take it, you get to pick which one you want. Uh, there are some attack cards, which I liked quite a bit. Those are fun. That can kill, make other people's characters sick. I guess they're not dead, but they go, they go to the infirmary and they're worth negative points if you can't clean it up. But it's a simple game. It's pretty pretty short, pretty quick. Has really nice coin components. It's got the same like it's got like poker chip little coins that are amazing. And yeah, I like this one. I don't know if I like it as much as Splendor or Century, but it is good. It's a nice little tableau engine building game. So how do you feel about this one? Um, I really like this one and because it's just it's definitely the kind of game that I'm into where you're trying to like make these different buildings like pay off as much as you can as they interact with each other. So I thought that was really cool. I love that a lot. I think I wish it was longer. I think it's too short. Um, yeah, I agree with it. And I don't know if maybe it would be sh long like better with just two players maybe if i think you take cards out so it's the same okay well i wouldn't take any cards out then that's true i'm you could do I, that. my genius level iq lets me house roll every game i have <laughs> to make it a game that i want to play yeah that's a deep cut people anyway uh yeah i i would like to play it with all the cards just to make it just a, just a little bit longer um also hmm. I don't know if I want to say what I want to say. I, I think um, it works well. Like for me, I think you could have a lot more fun and have multiple paths to winning. If you play with people that don't um, do a lot of min-maxing kind of thing, um, 
because I know there are some people who play games like this. They're like, okay, what's the one card that's going to give you the maximum points? I'm just going to double down, double down, double down on that one card. And I feel like that doesn't make it as fun when you're just trying to make the best out of the cards that you pick. But I understand like, well, that's a strategy to win. Sure. Um, but the cool thing about this game is that, is that um, a lot of times, even if it's not your turn, things might be triggering for you because of what other people have chosen. So there are some cards that fire off for other people as well, which I think is awesome. And I like that. Um, and there are lots of ways to score points. And so I think you really kind of have to pay attention, but probably better than I did to make sure you get all the points that you are entitled to. Um, Cause I, sometimes I zone out and I don't, I'm like, Oh, you should have added that again. Whoops which is my own fault entirely. So I like this game a lot. I would love to play it again. I like games that, again, it's simple. I either take a card or I lay down coins until I want to take a card. Or take lay down meeples, these white meeple guys, until I want to take a card. Like, that's pretty straightforward. And then I gain the coins based on what I played. So I do really like this one. Um, and I like to play it more to see how it shakes out. Like maybe it won't seem like one strategy is the best way if I play it more more times. Well, I will say I've played on the A and B side, mm -hmm. and they do feel way different. Oh, the the A side is like the way that the buildings work off of each other is way simpler. Mm -hmm. The B side really makes you kind of have to diversify your people mm -hmm. like you didn't have to do that on the a side you could just focus on a couple buildings and be fine but in the b side like the first building might work with building three and six and then you gotta you know if you want to get those points you need to get those people so it it's interesting well we played the b side yeah that's what i'm saying the b side has a little more uh it, it works with you need to have more types of people on that side okay the a side is easier you, you can just do your own thing kind of okay I think I might have said A and B a couple times the wrong way, but that's fine. No, I I, we'll I don't think you're understanding what I'm saying. It's fine. We don't have time for me to explain it in crayon. I'm good. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's good. Don't I like the crayon. game. I want to play it again. All right, yeah, cool. All right. <laughs> so uh, the last game we're going to talk about is a game that is one of the many games that has the same title or the same word in its title. And this one's called Villages of Valeria. And this is, I don't know what game this is in the series, but there's like 15 of them. And this one is kind of plays like San Juan or um, Terraforming Mars Ares Expedition, where someone's going to pick an action and then they get to do the action at a better rate than everybody else. But everybody else also gets to do the action, but it's probably going to be more expensive. And what you're trying to do in this one is you're trying to build these different buildings in front of you to score points and generate symbols and then you're going to try to recruit different um people i don't know what the term is but they're little characters that are going to come he live in your town are they heroes? because you uh maybe they are heroes you, yeah that, that sounds right and they're going to come live in your town but you have to have certain buildings that meet their criteria or if you don't want to do that you can use some of the buildings turn them upside down tuck them under your castle and they become resources that you can generate to help pay for cards in the future there's like five different actions you can take. They're all like similar. They'll produce gold, resources, all that kind of thing. And you're just trying to be the first player. Well, the first player that builds, I think, eight buildings or people or heroes ends the game. Then whoever has most points in the winner has the same art as all the Valeria games from the Miko, which is the West Kingdom, South Tigris. He does all that stuff. Um, but this one is pretty simple. I like the games where when someone takes an action, everybody else gets to do that as well. It makes the game go seem like it's going quicker because there's no downtime because you're always doing something. I enjoy that. I like looking at the Miko's art. He was on our best artist, I think, um, episode. And yeah, I like these, these Valeria games. I haven't played one that I don't like yet. So until I do, I'll be interested to play them. I just wish I knew which game was what because the names are too similar. So that's my complaint there. So how did you feel about Villages of Valeria? Yeah, my problem is the names are similar. And on top of that, when the artwork's the same, because I rely a lot on the visual. So I have to go back and look. Like, I had to look it up on BGG to make sure I understood which game this was that we were talking about. Because I'm like, I know I played it, but I can't remember it. And some of that's just my own fault of my brain not working in a way that makes sense. Uh, I liked this game. 
I have played. We played. Um, don't we have quests? Yeah, we have quests. Yes, and I do. I don't like that one very much. Oh, I do like that one. Oh, okay. I don't. I don't like it very much. Um, but this one I did like, and I, I realized I'm playing, and I'm like, okay, well, you gotta you gotta build these buildings. So I'm like building away, and like, ooh, this building's really expensive. Get rid of it. So I'm like trying to ditch cards and stuff, and then all of a sudden I'm like, wow, I've got like more than half of the buildings we need. I didn't realize that. I wasn't like trying to rush the game or anything. I was just trying to complete my task. And for me on games where like other people, you get turns on other people's turns. um, I sometimes have problems with that because I've got my turn programmed out. um, Obviously, while other people are taking their turn. The problem is sometimes they take, they do the action that I want to do. And I'm like, oh, well, now I can do that on your turn. I'm doing it on my turn. What am I going to do on my turn? So sometimes I get a little like, I don't want to say AP about it, but I'm like, uh, what do I have to do now? <laughs> like I'm out of like my options. But I found this game really fun. I, I think it's super accessible. I think it's, um, there's enough balance between e- it being easy and having some challenges. Like, it's it's good. Um, I think the last, I I might like this one better than the deck building one that we played. Um, the, the the one where you're rolling the dice and collecting stuff. Yes. So that's just Valeria Card Kingdoms. Okay, I think I like this better than that. Um, but I liked both. Yeah, I th- I was pleasantly surprised. It went by so fast, though. I also feel like, oh, maybe I should play it again because I didn't mean to make it go by so fast. It it is tricky though because those one buildings they count towards your building total, but they're like basically free, so you can right. just build them and they generate stuff for you. Yeah, it's it's tricky. Because I had like two buildings that generated um, like free wild resources. I'm like, well, of course I want to build these. So then when you've got free wild wild resources, you're like, well, I want to, I need to build things with these resources. I, right. And then next thing you know, it's over. And those buildings aren't worth any points, which is tricky too. Yeah, my bad. I mean, I still won, but... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we also played the Shadow Kingdoms of Valeria once. You're rolling some dice on that one and defeating some people. I don't... You're probably not going to remember it. We, <laughs> I was like, we, I'm we played sure it a few times, I remember but, it. <laughs> so, yeah, so we've played... And I've played a couple other ones. I played a solo one, which is not, not my favorite, and a trick-taking one, which basically is not the same at all. doesn't feel like any of it other than the art. But yeah, this might be my second favorite one. I like the Valeria Card Kingdoms one probably the best, hmm. the where you're rolling dice, like the Maji Coral one. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that one the best. I think you would because you won. I did. Yep. I, no, I, I like those games a lot too. That, that that style of game, they just work for me. All right, so those are three games we played. Let's keep going. All right, so we talked about this being St. Patrick's Day here in the, I just, is that just the United States kind of thing, or is it around the world? Uh, I would hope Ireland, since that's where the snake thing happened, but who knows? (laughs) Well, I just don't know, like, I mean, obviously a lot of people immigrated to the United States from Ireland, and I think it's interesting that we brought that with us and cling to it so strongly. I mean... Americans will take any excuse they can to go, you know, drink some beer. I, I so. suppose that's true. <laughs> I su- there is that. I suppose that is true. Um, but also, we wanted to play in St. Patrick's Day, not to drink beer, but to, you know, get a play on the luck of the Irish. And so we're going to talk about games that rely heavily on luck, whether it's uh, like a pusher luck element or... Or just kind of a luck of the draw type of thing. Uh, we each have three games that we consider. Um, sometimes you just got to be lucky. You just got to be lucky to to win. That's going to help you, I guess, I would say. So, Jason, what is your first lucky game? So, my first one is a little card game from Phil Walker Harding. And it is called Archaeology, The New Expedition. And this is, the reason I put this on the list, because this game is mostly about drawing cards off the top of a deck. And you can't really get much more lucky than that, than randomly pulling a card off the top of the deck. 
and you're trying to collect different sets of cards, and there may be some points where you'll go digging through another pile of cards that's in like this temple, which you're trying to get more cards for your sets. So there's lots of digging in cards, trying to get lucky, and getting what you need. That's the the whole game is drawing cards, playing cards, trying to dig like an archaeologist to get those hidden treasures. So my number three, archaeology, new expedition. I thought I knew what game this was, but I don't now that you said it. It's the one with the sandstorms where they come and you're like playing the cards down in front of you. Oh, well, why didn't you say that? You didn't even like give like there's like a tent and... Because that's not the lucky part of it. The lucky part is digging into the decks and trying to get the cards you want. Well, but... Okay, so this is my thing. You're like, I don't want to put any push your luck games on this list. That is push your luck. Because you're pushing your luck to take stuff off there and hold on to it long enough in case... But a sandstorm might come up and wipe it out. That's correct. It is. It is push your luck, yes. I tried to I tried to create some rules for myself. I didn't follow those rules, as we can see by game number three. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute! I thought I knew a game because <laughs> I thought it was that game where you have like, um, like these different guys or. Okay, I'm not gonna be able to explain it. I don't, and like I don't even know what game you think it is. <laughs> there's cards. We we played it, I think, with Brandon. Uh, there's cards, and you can collect, like, um, maybe pottery or something else sometimes, and, like, you turn your cards in, and you get money for them, um, and it changes how much money you get, and, like, how <laughs> much... <laughs> I had no idea what you're saying. I'm, look, I'm looking around trying to figure it out right now. I don't... I mean, I think we own it. We, you just recently, like, got it, I think, maybe. <laughs> um, and, like, you can upgrade your cards and flip them to the other side, and they let things do better. There's dice. I think there's dice. And then you use the dice to say what you can get. And you try to, like, sell, sell like, groups of artifacts. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking really? about. Really? I'm looking around. I'm trying to figure it out. I gave such a good description right there. No, you didn't. There's <laughs> dice and cards yeah. and people. That could be any game that we have. No, no there's like cards. Um, and I'm pretty sure you roll the dice and then you have to place the numbers. And like on certain numbers, you can like collect bones sometimes. And uh, I don't know what the other kind of artifacts are. And then you can sell them in, in groups and like... As people sell them, you have to have bigger numbers, g- bigger groups, <laughs> right? Okay, you go, you go on to your next one. I'm just trying to figure out what you're oh talking my about. Gosh. I'm, trying to de- I'm trying to decode the message. Someone is listening and they're yelling the name of this game. <laughs> Some- I wish they would yell it so I can figure Somebody out what it is. Somebody out there speaks Katie and they are they feel me. My number three is a classic push your luck game. It's a game that we have loved for a long time. It was Jason's, probably one of Jason's favorite bag pulling games until his number one, um, which I won't spoil it. But this is such a good game. We own all the expansions and like I've made so many people obsessed with this game. And that's Quacks of Quedlinburg. Um, You are a quack doctor making potions in a pot and you're drawing chips out of a bag. And you've got some good chips in there. And as the game goes on, you're buying more. But if you get seven of those white chips, that crazy ingredient, you get then your pot blows up and it's a bad time. No more than seven. Because at seven, you're good. At seven, you're good. At yep. seven, you're good. Any more than that, it blows up. So you're trying to blow up because you want to get points and buy for even better chips. It's like a deck builder, but in a bag. And you're like trying to go as far as you can, but not bust. And it's really tense and oh, your butt cheeks get tight and you're trying to go. And it's like so exciting. Um, Yeah, there's so much luck to that, which is why someone at another podcasty vloggy thing hates this game. It's all luck. It doesn't matter. I always draw all my white chips the first time. And I'm like, I'm sorry you suck so bad. Like, it's not the game's fault that you have no luck, Dan. Yeah, his yeah his. I was gonna say his name rhymes with Dan. His name but. rhymes with Pan. 
uh, it's such a good game. It's fun that like, what will the next one be? And I'm notorious for saying I'm done. But then I always want to draw out another chip just to see what would have happened. And I'm like, oh, or yeah, you know, I made the right decision. That kind of like tension, that fun um, from just pulling like cardboard chits out of a bag. Like it's so great. The artwork's cute. Um, and that luck element makes it really fun. So my number three is Quacks of Quellenberg. Yeah, good game. So the game you're talking about mm-hmm. is called Artifacts Inc. Yeah, so you see why I would confuse it with yeah, archaeology. Yeah, yeah. I, I went back through, I was like, what is she talking about? And then I was like scrolling through the games we played. I was like, ah, there it is. Found it. See, everything I said. Everything I yeah, said. Now, now that I know what game you're talking about, yes, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> Give you a number All two. Right. <laughs> All right, so my number two is actually a game that, I mean, built around a town that is all about luck. Luck and it's be called, a lady tonight. Yep. And this game is called Lords of Vegas. And in this game, what you're trying to do is you're trying to build up hotels, casinos on the New, uh, the New York, the Las Vegas Strip. And you're doing that by flipping a card over on your turn. So there's all the luck. You're going to be shuffling this deck and you're going to be flipping a card and that's going to give you a property that you now own and it's going to pay out a certain color of casino that is that color of the card. So you're you're basically at the mercy of the card that you flip. And then what you're trying to do is you're trying to grow, like build casinos into to big groups. You're trying to get them on the strip because when the color comes up, you want them to have the biggest group because you're going to get a lot of money. You're trying to get points and you're just trying to be the first player or by the end of the game, have the most points or hit 90, I think and you automatically win. Uh, so everything in this game is driven by the cards. So without, you, you know, you're always at the mercy of that. Some of the cards are removed randomly at the beginning. They're not going to be showing up and... So that makes it so you never really know what is going to happen. So while there are lots of decisions you can do in your turn, everything is based on the lucky flip of the card. So had to be on the list because it's about a town. It's all about luck. And that is Lords of Vegas, my number two. It is. That's true. Hmm. Anyway, now I've got like makes you think of guys and dolls, which is actually in New York, not in Vegas. But anyway. Yeah, right. Yeah, Frank yeah. was in both places. <laughs> Uh, my number two, I, there are actually two games that are very similar that have the same mechanic of luck in them. Uh, I just put the other one on honorable mentions because I don't, I wrote this one down first and that game is Thebes. So Thebes is where you are an archeologist. Oh, that's weird. That's a trend. I'm, I mean, I think that just sets itself up for uh, <laughs> some luck themes. <laughs> right, right. So you are... You are using time, which I think is really cool about this game, to go around and gather knowledge about these different areas in the world that you can go on an archaeological dig. So like Palestine and Crete and um, Rome, I think. It's been a while since I played this. Yeah, Egypt. Egypt. Egypt? Yes, I I did not say Egypt. Thebes, yeah. Um, Thebes, yeah. yeah. And so then you go, you spend an amount of time plus your knowledge to draw out of a bag what you hope are artifacts. Because again, you're an archaeologist. You're searching, you're digging on archaeological dig. Sometimes you dig up dirt. Sometimes you dig up artifacts. Sometimes you dig up a lot of artifacts. Or and and or no. Sometimes you dig up a, a lot, lot of dirt. dirt. <laughs> right. You hope that by having like more knowledge, it allow, enables you to draw out more chips from this bag but it could just be more dirt it's it is totally lucky but i think that luck element is so thematic this is like the one game i actually agree with tom vassal on because i pretty much hate everything he does because of his stupid outfits um it's not like he listens to our podcast i guess i'll throw that out there he he might be a fine person the outfits i can't with that anyway so Thebes, we agree that that luck element is so thematic. On an archaeological dig, sometimes you find, you know, 50 clay pots and, a, you know, a whole thing of terracotta warriors in the ground. Other times you find a bunch of dirt and sand. And that's just that's just kind of how it goes. And I and I, I love that about this game. And it makes it fun because you're like, all right, there can't possibly be more dirt in here. 
There is, you know, or you've gone and dug and excavated a site several times. You're like, oh, yeah, I got a bunch of good stuff out of that site. They're going to find nothing but dirt. And they start pulling out these, you know, statues and jewelry. I'm like, what the heck, man? I had a bunch of knowledge when I went to Crete and yet you found everything but the Minotaur. It's so like, I love that. I think that luck plays into it so well. And I think it's a great mechanic. Um, So my number two is Thebes. Yeah. And that putting the dirt back in the bag gets really frustrating, too. (laughs) Like all the good stuff comes out, something but crap dirt. <laughs> yeah, it gets it gets tricky. It does. All right, so my number one should be no surprise. Um, it's pretty high up on my favorite games of all time, and that is Wonderland's War. What? So, yeah. So the first half of the game is not really lucky. You're moving around trying to grab some cards that are going to help you put different types of chips in your bag, and maybe get rid of some madness shards and all that kind of thing. But the second half of the game, you're going to be doing these little battles, which is where you're going to be pulling chits out of your bag to move up this battle track and maybe get some other special abilities to try to win the war, to score some points, maybe put down a castle. So it's basically five, I think it's five spaces on the board, five or six spaces on the board, little mini games like Quacks of Quedlinburg. And you're just trying to pull out chits, make good things happen, try not to bust. Um, if you do bust, maybe, you know, do better next time. All that kind of thing. So tons of luck by pulling stuff out of the bag, but ways to mitigate it, and it's just a pile of fun. I love this game. I really wish we played it more. I don't know why we don't. It's a little long, I think, and I don't think people like it as much as me, so we just don't play it. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. My number one, Wonderland's War. I like this game a lot. You just never choose it. I would play it. I think other people would play it. So this is the problem. We just talked about this today. Um... We are those people that are like, hey, we're going to teach you this game. Don't worry. We'll never play it again. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Hey, I really like that game. Don't worry. You're never going to play it again. Yeah. And it's mostly just because we have new stuff coming to us that we have to review. Or, you know, we do try to cycle through new things to talk about on the podcast and be like, hey, we play this game again. Um, So we don't that kind of forces us to play different games all the time. Um, But also I like revisiting games that we've had and games that we enjoy. So part of it's probably the fact that I'm always busy or want to read a book instead. And so it's like our game times have to really count to go towards like our podcast content and stuff. So yeah, that could be it. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know if that helped, but that's not to say about your number one. My number one, I don't know if it's based on pure, pure nostalgia, but it is absolutely pure luck. But everyone who has ever played this with us is like, dude, I don't even care. It's fun. Uh, and that's Golden Ticket. Is this a uh, uh, Philip Harder, Har- Philip, <laughs> Philip Walker Harding? I think this might actually be like um, Prospero Hall or something. I'm, oh, I'm looking okay. it up right now. I, I almost want to say PDB, but I don't mean that. He needs Philip Walker Harding. P P W H doesn't work. Never mind. It just doesn't flow off your tongue as much. Yeah. Nope. It's AC Atienza is the designer. Okay, sure. Like, I'll remember that. I can't even yeah. say Philip Walker Harding's name right. It is Buffalo Games, though. They make good stuff. It's true. Buffalo Games does make good stuff. And the good stuff in this is the components. So this is based on um, the movie Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, based on the book by Roald Dahl. Fantastic. Roald Dahl's awesome. His books are awesome. He may have had some personal issues, but the art he created is awesome. So in Golden Ticket, you are in the Chocolate Factory. You're one of the kids. Uh, there's asymmetric player powers, too, which is awesome. There's, like, chunky wooden um, characters. The only person with the face is, is Willie. Because I guess, like, they're like, hey, Gene Wilder. And he was like, yeah, I want to be in a board game. Or his estate said he wanted to be in a board game. Yeah, I don't I don't know <laughs> when when he died. I guess I'm assuming it probably was before this game came out, to be honest. Yeah, I think it, the game came out in 2021. I think it was before that. Yeah, but they're totally chill about it, apparently. So his face is in there, which is great because it ups the nostalgia. So you're playing these cards, move around the factory um, to collect Wonka bars. And the Wonka bars are dope, right? We've talked about these before. They're like plastic 
like segmented chocolate bars in cardboard uh, chocolate sleeves. It's just amazing, right? And then some of them, or if you play it like we do, one of them has a golden ticket. So you're collecting, you're like dashing on the factory, you're playing Everlasting Gobstoppers, you're playing Liquable Wallpaper, all this fizzy lifting drinks, which is great. Nostalgia, love it. The cards, bright colors, everything, wonderful. Trying to snatch as many Wonka bars as you can, super thematic. And then at the end, you all open them to see if you have the golden ticket. Pure luck if you happen to pick up the bar with the golden ticket. You could have 50 Wonka bars and not have it, and someone had two and they had it. Like pure luck. But again, we've played it with so many different people, gamers and non gamers alike. They don't care about the luck. It's just good, stupid fun and a walk down memory lane. And uh, the components are fun to play with. I always get into the act and I, I always play Veruca Salt and I get really bossy and always ask if I can hire somebody to open my Wonka bars for me. And I sing her songs all the time. It's just it's just fun. And the luck is just a great part of that. So my number one is Golden Ticket. Yeah, and this... I mean, you can kind of try to negate the luck by getting as many golden tick or uh, Wonka bars as you can. But again, yeah, you may not grab the one that has a golden right. ticket. In it. <laughs> so, at the end of the day, did you get lucky or it's did you? It's just luck. <laughs> but the first half of the game is still fun. You're moving around, like trying to collect the bars, do all that stuff. So the actions on the board are fun right. to get the bars. So it's not like you're just randomly reaching in there and grabbing a bar because that's not fun. But you're doing stuff to get the bar, which makes the game fun. Yes. All right, so we do have a few honorable mentions because there are just so many good games that have luck. And I like luck. I think Katie likes luck. Yeah. Uh, we're not those snobby Euro gamers that need to have perfect information in every single game that we play. No. Give me some dice. Give me some cards. Give me some randomness. I dig that. Um, so the first game is one that we've talked about, at least I've talked about a lot, and it's called Bag of Chips. And this is a Bruno Catala game. In this one, what you're trying to do is you are reaching in this bag that actually looks like a little mini bag of chips, pulling out these chips, and you're trying to get certain combinations of chips to score on these cards that you have in front of you. Um, you don't know how the chips are going to come out. You don't know if all the chips that you need are going to come out. And then you're going to be playing some of the cards down on the positive side, some down on the negative side, and then whoever has the most points in their mathematical equation at the end scores a potato point. And whoever gets the first to the four tokens is the winner. Great game. Pure luck. The card draw is luck. Uh, card shuffle is luck. Pulling us out of the bag is luck. But it's just so so much fun. I love it. This is a Bruno Catala game? Yeah, Bruno Catala and Teo Rivier. How did I not know that it was a Bruno game? Because it doesn't feel like a Bruno game. Well, really. yes. Weird. Well, Sea Salt and Paper is Bruno too. So maybe he's mm. just getting in, into more of a little weird little card game. Good for him. Yeah. So next up is I think the one that Katie was alluding to when she was talking about Thebes. Yes. And this one is called Fool's Gold. And this is a game. It's I don't know how to explain it. It's kind of a worker placement game of sorts. You're going to be using these little like minor meeples that you have to go to these different locations to try to be able to get cards out of this location that are either going to be gold or some kind of gem that are that's a specific gem to that site. Or dirt. So based... Or dirt, yes. There's always dirt. There's always always dirt. dirt. So based on a number like of holes. dice at this location and t and the number of meeples at the location is going to determine how many cards are going to get flipped. So the more dice and the more people and the more cards you're flipping, which gives you a better opportunity to maybe get some good stuff out of there. Maybe. Uh, there, maybe, maybe. Again, when all the, when good stuff gets taken, it's nothing but dirt left. So you're doing that whole thing. And then if you can't end up getting something that you want, you can winter and try again. Uh, but that makes it harder. Uh, there's some bad cards in there that'll get rid of some cards and cause you to lose some stuff around. It's a it's a fantastic game. Kind of feels similar to Thieves, but it does play different, but it gives you a similar kind of vibe. Uh, Home Stretch. We've talked about this one a lot, too. A horse racing game where you're rolling some dice, moving some horses around, and trying to bet on the horses that you think are going to get first, second, and third. Um, it's all luck. It's all based on dice rolling. Whatever happens, happens. There's a little bit of decision space that you can make in there where you can decide not to move a horse or you can move a, and then roll again and try to do that kind of thing. But mostly you're rolling a dice and seeing what happens. Um, just kind of like a horse race. You're betting on it and wishing for the best. To go along with that, instead of horses, we have camels. And this is Camel Up. 
This is a game where you're betting on camels to win laps and the entire race. And the camels are going to be moving around by rolling a die out of this cool pyramid thing. And if they get on top of each other, they can carry each other across the finish line. Uh, you can bet on which ones you think is going to come in first and last. But at the end of the day, it's all done through a die roll. That's can't get much more random than that. And last but not least, but the last one we're going to talk about is Cubitos. And this was almost on my list. And this is a, basically a push your luck dice rolling race game where you have dice that have some die faces on them and you're going to roll them. And you're trying to move these little pieces around this racetrack. And you're also trying to use the dice to get money to be able to acquire new dice that are going to give you special abilities to help you win the race. So it's kind of like a deck builder, but with dice, effectively. Um, it's just a fun little push your luck game. And again, it's dice, so everything you're doing is luck-based. You're at the mercy of what you're rolling. So had to be at least talked about on this episode. So those are the honorable mentions. Yes, I know there are plenty more... Um I was just looking and there are some that have just an element of luck. Like I even thought about including um, abomination or something because you have to roll dice to like activate your different body parts. But again, that's not the crux of the game, but there is luck. So I'm sure there are more games that inspire you at the luck of the Irish. So please tell us we have all of the socials. And more importantly than the fact that we have all the socials, we love to hear from you guys. We love to talk new games that we maybe don't know or haven't thought about. And like I said, we're trying to go back and play games that maybe we haven't played in a while and they deserve to be played. They deserve a mention. Uh, so remind us, please. Our Facebook group, uh, hashtag the riveted, our Discord chat. It is good times, quality people. None of that. We don't get political nonsense. We don't let anybody be mean to anybody else. Nope. Well, that's not what we're here for. We're here to talk about games and enjoy them and uh, be kind, make this world a better place. So, yeah. Yep. And I'll, I'm not afraid to drop the ban hammer in Ooh. the groups. Because I'm a tough guy on the internet. <laughs> Jason. Probably, probably the toughest. <laughs> he is a tough guy on the internet. I am not going to drop you in the band hammer. So that's why he's in charge of that. Not me. So don't be- yeah. don't come begging me for mercy. All you got to do, say one wrong word. <laughs> ban. I don't know about that. but <laughs> No, I think I've banned like two people ever. Right. <laughs> uh, happy St. Patrick's Day. We wish you the best. Luck of the Irish. Be safe out there. Enjoy it. Um, and we will enjoy spending our anniversary together because we are really lucky um, to have each other and have made it through all these years. So, 16 years. 16 years. All right, everybody. I've been Katie. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody. Keep gaming. I was like waiting for you to like throw in like some heartfelt comment about how much you love me at the end, but nope.